This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. Well, hey, everybody. We are excited about starting a new series today called Come to the Table. As we do that, uh, I, I just want you to let you, for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about community. We're going to talk about more specifically just relationships because that is so needed. We need life-giving relationships. We need community. Today, we're going to be, begin in the text of Luke chapter 19. Would you stand as we get ready to honor the Lord, the reading of God's word? Luke chapter 19 is a story of Jesus encountering a wee little man. Name Zacchaeus. Beginning in verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he was a wee little man. He could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, here and now, I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the son of man, that's Jesus, came to seek and to save. So we're going to pray before we sit down. And I want to invite you to take this posture. Instead of raising our hands, just opening our hands to heaven. It's a sign to God of just saying, God, I'm willing to receive whatever you want to give me today. But I'm also willing for you to take away whatever you want to take away. Can we pray? God, we just come before you today thankful for your word thankful for this moment and we ask you God to pour life into us today but we also ask you to take away anything that is robbing us of life so God we ask you in this moment to correct us to confirm us, to console us with the power of the Holy Spirit so we may be changed and molded even more into the image of your Son, Jesus. It's in His name that we pray. Amen and amen. As you're sitting down, won't you touch somebody and say, it's time to get real. Now you touch that person back and say, I thought we were real. <laughs> 
I want to tell you a story as we get started. A story that really was all over the news in 2013, 2012. It's a story of a man named Paul Frampton. Frampton is a theoretical physicist, a professor of physics at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. He's a tar hit. Paul was divorced in 2010. His wife claimed in the divorce proceedings that Paul had been abusive. She could no longer live under that abuse. 2011, Frampton, through a series of odd interactions, had a new girlfriend who was an international supermodel. I'm just going to give you her first name because I don't want you Googling her last name, okay? Her name was Denise. Denise was tired of the model scene. She was tired of her lifestyle. She wanted to settle down and had kids, and Frampton's ex-wife didn't want kids. In this older age, she was thinking, I'd love to have some kids. So after talking for about six months, Denise finally said, you know what, Paul, we've been talking. I, I want to spend some time with you. Why don't you come see me? I'll pay for the plane ticket. I'll pay for you to get here. So in his email, all of a sudden, there are the tickets. She invites him to come be with her in La Paz, Bolivia. Pays for the tickets. What was supposed to be a 16-hour flight turns into four days of travel as there are constant issues with the tickets that have to be worked through. By the time he gets to La Paz, there's a message waiting for him. I'm so sorry, but I had to go to Brussels, Belgium. I, I was already booked to be there. W would you come see me? I'll buy the tickets for you to get there. Gets a hotel and says, of course. Frampton believed he was going to come back to Chapel Hill with a new wife. She said, fine, I will do that. I have a favor, though. I left behind a bag that was given to me by my mom. It's very precious to me. It's, it's not that big of a deal, but I'd forgotten it. I, there was an associate I was working with. They'll bring it to you. So they meet. He gets the bag. And then he flies. He flies from La Paz to Buenos Aires, Argentina nondescript flight, not a big deal, gets off, is waiting on his connecting flight to fly over the Atlantic to Brussels. When all of a sudden, over the loudspeaker, comes his name, Paul Frampton, would you please come to the ticketing window? He thinks, I'm about to get upgraded to first class. But when he gets to the ticketing window, his two bags sit there. And they said, sir, can you identify these bags? He said, yeah, that is my bag. And I was given that bag, so I was bringing it to a friend. And immediately, he was arrested. Because the bag that he got, that he thought was empty, was lined with drugs. And the woman that for over a year he'd been talking to was not the woman he thought he was talking to. It was somebody who had faked him, 
and had planned all along to use him simply as a drug mule. He was arrested, literally sentenced to four years in a prison in Argentina. Lost a good portion of his life, all because he believed something that was fake was real. Listen to what I'm about to say. If you're taking notes, this is number one. Real always beats fake. Real always beats fake. I want you to leave here today in your heart yearning, longing for something that's real. I want to ask you a question. How much do you know about artificial intelligence? The average person in this room knows very little. But in April of 2023, just a little over a month ago, tech leaders from all over the world called for a halt in research and development in artificial intelligence, saying that the development of artificial intelligence over the last nine months has eclipsed our ability to monitor and to actually police the AI. Earlier this year, a company called OpenAI launched a platform online called ChatGPT. I wish we had this when I was in school. Okay? It's like Google, but way better. You go online, ChatGPT. Hey, could you write me an 800-word essay? on supply and demand with quotes cited in MLS format or MLA, whatever it is. And you just watch and in about four seconds, there it is. You could be a teacher. You go on to chat GPT. You said, hey, can you write me a lesson plan to teach middle schoolers supply and demand? Whoo, right there in a minute. Some of y'all teachers are like, oh, I know where I'm going today. You can have some symptoms in your life going on, not know what it is. You don't have to go to the, you go to chat GPT. Here are my symptoms. Boom, here are the possible diagnoses. As a matter of fact, chat GPT has passed every medical exam there is. It also passed the bar exam. You can go on and say, hey, can you generate a brief concerning Albemarle, North Carolina and the laws about such and such? And it'll start generating a brief. just a couple seconds. There was a lawyer arrested last week for using ChatGPT to generate his legal briefs. You want to know how they found out? Because ChatGPT doesn't know what's real and fake. And the ChatGPT was quoting some fake legal briefs. I'm telling you what's happening. out there. There's something called deep fake artificial intelligence. All you do is you upload a few pictures and all of a sudden it can generate a picture of you doing all kinds of things. We did it just for fun. Here's the first one. Look at this. That's me with hair. My friend said that looks like Jesus, Kevin. Like literally a Kevin Jesus. That's scary. Here's another one. Look at this one. That's me as a medieval knight. That's the stuff dreams are made of right there, ladies and gentlemen. 
Look at this next one. This is hilarious. I'm an astronaut. I'm going to the moon. I'm going to the moon. Here's another one. Look at this. I am now in the Hobbit. I'm in the Hobbit. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm in the Hobbit. Here, now I'm in the Lord of the Rings. Next one. Look at this. Lord of the Rings. That's an amazing beard. That's all I have to say about this one. And the last one, this is my favorite. Here's me as a Viking. Isn't that awesome? I just want to get that frame somewhere, you know? Here's where artificial intelligence, it has moved so fast that somebody literally working with a deep fake program said, how would it look if we were to say there was an annual celebrity concrete eating contest? Concrete. What would that look like? Well, here is President Donald Trump at the concrete eating contest. Look at that picture. All generated through AI fake technology. Here's President Joe Biden. I mean, he's way into it. He's probably winning. Here's LeBron James. It's insane. As a matter of fact, earlier this year, several prominent artists were shocked to have a track that featured their voices climbing the iTunes charts because they didn't record it. It was AI faked. Let me just tell you where this is going. You'd be able to upload a few pictures of somebody and say, hey, can you generate a picture that looks like they sent me a selfie? Boom, there it is. Generate a picture that looks like they sent me a selfie in the bathroom. There, now that they sent me uh, one in the bathroom where they're in a towel. Think about where it's going. Here's the truth. You already don't know what's real online. You already don't. So many of us look at these families and they got to be perfect and look at that marriage and that's got to be perfect. But in a few years, listen, I'm calling it. You are not going to know what's real online. You're not going to know. Because there will be so much fake that's out there. But here's a reminder. Real will in the end, what's real is going to win. You want to know why? Number two in your notes, you need something that's real. You need real. This is not a new struggle. It's just a new application of an old struggle. The old struggle is the truth versus lies. That's old. That's not new. And I want you to hear this. If it's not real, it's a lie. If it's not real, this is why we want real. You were made for something that's real. You are made for truth. You are made for authenticity. Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's the boldest statement ever made in human history. Jesus is absolutely torpedoing the modern idea that there are many ways to God. He's saying, no, there's one. I am the way. I am the truth. He is authenticity. He's truth embodied. And he was inviting us into something there. I want you to see this. Number three in your notes. You 
were designed for real relationships. God made you. God designed you. God crafted you for real, authentic relationships. Think about how Jesus invited his followers. What did he do? He went up to them universally. The introductory invitation was come and follow me. Come and follow me. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Jesus invited us into a real relationship with himself. Now, I'm just going to press pause on this message because some of y'all need to hear what I'm about to say. You'll never be whole without a relationship with God. You get all the money. You get all the things. You get all the awards. You get all the promotions. But if you don't have God, there will always be a hole. You are made for Him. You are made for a real, authentic relationship with God. But there's more to this. And I've got to walk you all the way back to the beginning to help expand your understanding of how we were created for relationships. In the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1, God takes us through in His Word the creation of everything we've ever known. And the point in Genesis chapter 1 is not the how, but the who. Who created it? Genesis 1.27 says, Let us make man in our image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. God made us in His image. There's something within us that is crafted to grow into and to be like God. And it is the differentiating factor between who we are and who the rest of creation is. In Genesis 2, God does something that's very interesting in verse 15. The Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and care for it. Everything's provided. Everything he needed. All the food. All the shelter. He's got purpose. He's got work. But look at what happens in verse 18. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Before sin, before the fall of man, before the corruption of all that was good, God looked at Adam and said, it is not good for him to be alone. Why was it not good? Why? Because our God existed eternally in three persons. This is the orthodox Christian doctrine of the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, co-equal, co-eternal. The Father existed eternally in three persons in relationship with himself and our God made us in his image in his image for relationship this is so prevalent that as you walk through the scriptures you'll begin to see that God created us for relationship with himself and for relationship with others Matthew 22 Jesus has asked what is the greatest command? And he thwarts that by instead of quoting one, quotes two. Beginning in verse 37, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as 
yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now notice, there are three entities within the two commands. There is God, others, and ourselves. Hear what I'm about to say. You were created for real relationships. God made you for authentic, real relationships. You were created for real relationships. A relationship with God that's real. Where you go to God and you can say, God, I'm struggling with this. I'm, I don't have to fake it. I don't have to act a certain way. I can just be myself to you. Real relationships with others where you bear each other's burdens, where iron and iron sharpens one another. And you were created for a, a real relationship with yourself. The reason there's so much fake in this world is there's so many people that have a fake relationship with themselves. If we stop and look at Jesus and Zacchaeus, you're going to see a few things about being real. About living in some real relationships. And I'm praying, now I'm going to push against some stuff for you. I'm going to challenge you a little bit today. I'm praying that some of you are saying, I'm tired of fake. I don't know what it is that's got to change, but I know something's got to change. I know I need something real in my life. I want something that is built to last. I want something that's authentic. I want something that will survive the storms. But you got to be willing, if you want something different, to do something different. So I'm praying that there's some stuff that you're willing to let go of. And some stuff that you're willing to take hold of today. Here's the first thing you see with Jesus and Zacchaeus. If you want real relationships, you must accept broken people. You must accept broken people. Now, Jesus is a religious leader. He's a rabbi. And in his day and age, the way that rabbis stayed holy with the good kind of kind of standing in a community as they stayed away from the things that were bad. Zacchaeus is a tax collector. Now just understand this. In their day and age, every culture has a God can even save a fill in the blank. For you, it might be God can even save a prostitute, a drug dealer. In Jesus' day, the God can even save a was tax collector. You might be like, well, I don't like the IRS either. <laughs> I get it. But it was a little different because tax collectors were brought in by the Roman government. And the Roman government would say they owe us 2% tax. And the tax collector would say, no, you owe me 4%. They were extortionists. And everybody hated the tax collectors. Their behavior was greedy and sinful. And Zacchaeus wasn't just a tax collector. He was a chief tax collector. It was unthinkable to see a rabbi and a tax collector eating together. It was unthinkable. But there Jesus was at the table 
with a tax collector. I know what you're thinking. Accept him? Well, for Jesus, sitting at the table, inviting somebody to have dinner. I mean, we go have dinner in our culture with a lot of different people. We'll do a job interview over dinner. But in Jesus' culture in the first century, to eat with somebody was to accept them. What do you mean, accept them? Let me explain this to you. Accepting them does not mean you agree with them does not mean you understand them or even that you like their decisions. Accepting them is simply validating the relationship. I was listening recently to Joyce Meyer share her testimony. Joyce Meyer, if you don't know her, she's a very powerful teacher of the Bible, teaches almost primarily to women audiences. We call her Mama Joyce. She was just sharing her testimony. She's very open about it. She was sexually abused when she was a child by her father. It was never reported. Her mother and father never separated. They made a lot of excuses as she was growing up. She became saved and as an adult began to work through the process of forgiving her father. And later on, as her parents were aging, she felt the Holy Spirit speak to her and say, I want you to take care of your mom and your dad. He'd never apologized. He'd never apologized. She said, you know what? I began to, in my own heart, say, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's the enemy. Why would God ever tell me that I need to take care of my father who's never even apologized to me? God wouldn't let it go. So she bought him a house. She'd pay for the house to be clean. Her and her husband, Dave, would drive her parents back and forth between their health appointments and all the things that they had to do. A few years after they had started to care for her, her dad gave his life to Jesus. sitting down with her a few months before he passed away. He asked to speak to her and her husband and he apologized for what he'd done. He looked at Dave, her husband, and said, you know what? A man in your shoes, after all I did, all that I could expect is that you'd want to kill me. But Dave, all you've ever shown me was love. She was sharing her testimony. Joyce said, you know, I was frustrated when we were buying that house. But I look back and I see now that I wasn't buying a house. I was buying a soul. I was putting my dad in a position where he could receive the love of Jesus. Some of us say, well, I don't want to accept broken people. Well, the truth is you are broken people. We all are. We all come into every relationship with a certain brand of brokenness. And the problem is some of us just prefer our brokenness over other people. Well, I don't like people that are broken. 
that way. I don't like people that are broken to that degree. There Jesus is sitting down with the tax collector. I want to ask you this. Do you have room at your table for imperfect, broken people? Jesus did. We need to as well. There's something else you see about real in this story. And this is number two. Fake people are going to complain about real people. Now, there's some fake people in this world. There's some fake stuff in this world. Did you see what happened when Jesus said, I'm going to come over to your house today, Zacchaeus. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. This is Jesus. He's a friend of sinners. I mean, I love asking people about the names of Jesus. Jesus had a lot of cool names in Scripture. He's a lion of Judah. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. My favorite name for Jesus is he's a friend of sinners. And that was being tossed out as criticism from the crowd. I want to help you today. If you want to avoid criticism, here's the answer. Don't do anything with your life. And you know what happened then? Then people start criticizing you for doing nothing. You're going to get criticized. And the reason some of us don't want it is we're scared to death of people. What are they going to say? What are they going to do? What are they going to think of me? Proverbs 29 verse 25 says, Fear of man, that's what it is, will prove to be a snare. But whosoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. I got to wondering, why does this verse juxtapose trust in the Lord and fear of man? And here's why. When I've got the fear of man, I don't trust the Lord. I'm looking for men to do what only God can do. Jesus was not the least bit scared of what somebody was going to say. He chose Zacchaeus, and he knew he would invite the criticism of the crowd. If you want real, you need to accept that there's going to be criticism. It's coming. If you're real in an area, and you get around somebody who's fake, they're going to criticize you. I've watched this for years with my wife. You ever meet my wife? You're going to go, she's too sweet. She's too nice. There ain't no way somebody is that nice all the time. She is. That's the only way she could stay married to me, y'all. I'm telling you, that's the truth. But in the early years of our marriage, I would watch her get in relationships with young women who are married. And behind the scenes, she's not going to gossip. She is not going to talk negatively about me. And those women would get into the husband bashing and the gossiping. And she wasn't going to do it. Then they'd start bashing her. Because that's what happens. If you want to be real, you need to get ready. Because there's going to be criticism. But it's worth it, y'all. Number three, look in your notes. Real relationships lead to real life change. Real life change. I'm talking something that changes in our life that will never be the same again. This is why I can say, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. We are the average of our five closest friends. This is why... For some of you, you look at the struggles that you're having in your life, and it's a friend problem. you got the wrong friends. 
they're pulling you down. Life change happens in the context of relationships. And life change is not always good. This is why some of the best stories in our lives start with, well, I had these friends. But some of the worst stories in our lives start with, well, I had these friends. It was in the context of that dinner. Face to face, not thumbs to thumbs. Face to face. That Zacchaeus' life changed. Look what Jesus said in verse 9. Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man, Jesus, that's how he refers to himself within the gospel of Matthew or within the gospel of Luke. The son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus was willing to sit at the table with Zacchaeus. Knowing he was going to be criticized. Knowing that Zacchaeus was far away from God. But realizing that him sitting at my table, us being face to face, it's not only going to change. Do you see what Jesus said? Did just change Zacchaeus' life? It changed his whole family's life. Somebody in your life needs to sit at your table. They're broken. And people might say something about it. You might have some neighbors to talk. You might have some family to talk. But their life will be changed forever. Because they sit at your table. Zacchaeus' life was changed forever. Because he sat at that table. But I want you to see this before we close. Number four, real relationships carry real blessings. Real relationships carry real blessings. This is big. Jesus is being criticized. There he goes, off to hang out with a a sinner. Can I just give you a point? Jesus and Zacchaeus never responded to the crowd. Not one time. Don't waste your energy trying to respond to critics. You're going to have them. Look at what happens. Zacchaeus responds to the Lord. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord. Now notice, Zacchaeus has moved from somebody who's just trying to see Jesus and see who he is to call in Jesus, Lord. Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the Lord. I'm rich. I know there are people that are hurting, and I, I don't need it. I give half of it away. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, had he? Absolutely. I will pay them back four times the amount. The oppressed weren't just liberated. They were blessed. They weren't just given freedom. What happened at that table released a blessing in that community. There are real blessings in real friendships. I'm talking about some real stuff. There's real love. There's real joy and laughter. There's support when things aren't going well. There's growth and refinement. There's help when you you don't really have it all together. And there's even loving correction because we all need somebody who will show up and say, you're better than that. But you'll never know these gifts without the humility that leads to vulnerability. There's no way for you to have real without you having humility. 
So go back to Paul Frampton. This is a picture of him. Looks like the boyfriend of an international supermodel, doesn't it? Not really. So as the news was breaking all around the world, the model was coming forward on national TV saying, that's not my boyfriend. Why? What are y'all thinking? A reporter thought, why don't we get his ex-wife and do an interview? And they asked, why didn't it work with Mr. Frampton? She said, well, he refused to accept the reality of his actions. He was abusive. And anytime he was approached about it, he would blame somebody else, and it was always somebody else's fault. And probably the biggest reason was he just thought too much of himself. He thought enough of himself that he believed that he was in a loving, committed relationship with an international supermodel. I want you to hear what I'm about to say. Pride will always feel most comfortable with fake. Humility will always feel most comfortable with real. Pride is going to get you comfortable with posting that tailored picture that makes your family look perfect. Pride is going to get you comfortable and try to make yourself look better than you really are. Humility is uncomfortable with fake. You weren't made for fake. You were made for real. And the only way there is humility. Proverbs 22 says, humility is the fear of the Lord. The beginning of Proverbs says, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, which means that the beginning of the wisdom is what is the fear of the Lord? It's humility. It's recognizing, God, your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Humility is the fear of the Lord, and its wages are riches and honor and life. I'm going to be honest with you. There are a lot of you that have the goal of riches and honor and real authentic life, but you're using pride to get somewhere that only humility can take you there. So are you ready today to surrender your fake, to lay it down at the feet of Jesus, to surrender your pride, maybe receive something that is real. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.